This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 7th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The fiscal future of the United States hinges on cutting entitlements. That's the message from Tennessee Senator Bob Corker. We spoke at a conference on federal spending held today at the Cato Institute. The CAP Act uh, is a piece of legislation designed to take us from where we are today, spending about 24.5% of our economic output, or GDP, on a straight line down to 20.6%. That's setting a benchmark every year, stepping us down to that level. It would cause $7.6 trillion in savings over current policy over that 10-year period and keep us from going well beyond, obviously hugely beyond where we are, debt relative to our GDP, getting us into levels that are very dangerous for our country's future. It puts in place uh, a three-year averaging process so you project ahead each year. So the budget, uh, the budgets are put together with a known number in advance. The appropriators can work towards that. It has something called sequestration, which is put in place so that if Congress doesn't act, if it doesn't have the courage to do the things that will be necessary, and that will take courage, then sequestration takes place where OMB comes in based on a formula, not on their judgment, comes in and sequesters out of every account of government enough money to get down to those levels, something that no one in Congress would want to see happen. It has a two-thirds waiver, so that if we're in an emergency and we need to waive over that, uh, that's done, but it's pretty tough in, in a body like the House and Senate to get a two-thirds vote. So it's something that has tremendous teeth. It's something that dramatically changes the direct of, direction of spending in our country. And the thing I like about it, it lets us know where we're going. I think the most frustrating thing, being a business person serving here in Washington, is the fact we look look at where we are today. I mean, we're we're hassling over last year's business, 30 hours away from a shutdown, instead of working towards redesigning our entitlement programs and doing those things throughout government necessary to really reduce spending to a, to a healthy level. I hear Republicans talking a lot about everything on the table, everything on the table, but I rarely hear them uh, name specific departments or large programs that simply uh, should not be on the federal government's table. Which departments would you eliminate first? I would. I, well, there's nothing that I would take off the table, including defense. I well, think no, I, no, I understand. Yeah, I hear Republicans yeah, say that yeah, a lot, yeah, that everything yeah. needs to be on the table. Is there a specific department that you think the federal government simply just should not be doing? Well, I think there's a lot of activities that the federal government should not be involved in. Is education you know, one of talk, those? Well, you, meant, you talked about education earlier. Is that one of those things that Well, I think there's do? a lot that we do in education that should not be done. Should there be some national standards or should we look at how we compare to other countries? Should somebody, I don't know. But the fact is, as I mentioned in the earlier conversation, we send 90% of the bureaucracy that's in education with 10% of the dollars. And that obviously needs to be dramatically changed in some form or fashion. But let me get back to what you're driving at. The money is in the entitlement programs. Okay, we're, we're taking in $2.2 trillion this year, and we're spending $3.7 trillion. If you did away with every department of government, every department of government, including defense, you wouldn't balance the budget. So you got to say, so where's the money? The money's in the entitlement programs, and again, we want them to be there for seniors. 
Paul Ryan's laid out a plan, and it's not the only plan. There'll be others that'll be forthcoming. But what he's shown is that you can keep folks that are 55 and above on exactly the programs that they're on, not touch those, and start redesigning programs for people that are 54 and under. And you can get to the number that I've laid out, which is 20.6%. But the money, the money is actually in the entitlement programs. And I find too many Americans who think that you can deal with this issue through waste, fraud, and abuse, or you can deal with this by eliminating an apartment or two or three. You cannot. You've got to take on those tough issues that no one wants to talk about. And even though Paul Ryan's catching a lot of grief right now, certainly from the left, I hold him up and applaud him for having the courage to lay something out. We're working on some other ways of getting there ourselves in our office. We know the gang of six, uh, six senators uh, working on a different route. But again, the only way we're going to get to where this country needs to go as it relates to spending and it and its relationship in an appropriate level to our GDP is to look at those those major entitlement programs. In the Senate, uh, Rand Paul has put out a pretty dramatic plan to cut $500 billion out of the federal uh, federal spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the starting point? Well, again, uh, he, he doesn't touch, he doesn't touch the entitlement. You, it's, it's interesting, and I think everybody who's contributing to this debate should be applauded. But, and it's an interesting place to, to look, but it doesn't get us where we need to go unless, again, we're willing to look at the, at the bigger entitlement programs, which are on automatic pilot, and other mandatory spending that exists throughout the budget. And people don't even realize many of these programs exist, but they're just on, again, autopilot. Is part of the problem referring to some spending as mandatory? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I just refer to the technical language. Okay. And, right. But and, I mean, in terms of the narrative, when you say spending is mandatory, it seems that uh, Congress would be powerless to change it. No, we can change it with the flick of a pen, meaning passing legislation that states that. And that's what the CAP Act that I was here today at Cato to talk about would force us to do. It force both sides of the aisle to actually sit down and look at where the real money is, okay? You know, it's what I find in this debate, there are a lot of people that like to throw out hot-button things, and it cheers up the base, and it gets people fired up. And entitlement cuts is not one of those things. Entitlements is not one of those. And that's why you see a lot of people throwing out solutions, hey, let's get rid of this department, or hey, let's get rid of that department, and everybody cheers in the audience. The fact is, those are nice things to talk about, but it doesn't solve the problem. And the only way we're going to solve the problem is to talk about those things people don't want to talk about. And, uh, and that's why I think this CAP Act that I was here today to talk about is so important and that it puts us on a fiscal straitjacket, again, just taking us down to our 40-year average of spending post-entitlement period. So it can be done, but it will force us to sit down and redesign all programs of government. Otherwise, you cannot meet the targets. I know your time is short here, but I have one quick question. You you tried to separate the CAP Act from previous statutory attempts to uh, limit federal spending. Can you give me just a couple of reasons why that is uh, this? You, what well, you're the, the difference is, is, first of all, I applaud those efforts. And, and by the way, lots of money was saved by incorporating those. The difference is some of the past efforts have been focused on deficits, you know, closing deficits. What this does is for the first time, it puts every area of government spending on budget and it looks at all of them comprehensively again when you've got 2.2 trillion coming in and 3.7 trillion 
going out. You've got to look at everything. You can't just be in this this little skirmish we're involved in right now with discretionary spending that we know takes us no place. It just doesn't take us where we need to go. So the distinguishing factor about the CAP Act is everything is on budget. Everything is constrained. And we're working down towards something that puts us at a level that is a healthy place for our country to be. I'd love to go even lower and hope hope that if the CAP Act is passed, that after 10 years we continue taking it on down to 18% and maybe lower than that. But we've got to we this is this is this is not academic. I've gone all around the state of Tennessee and 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 shown charts. As I mentioned earlier, you walk into a standing ovation, you leave, you can hear a pin drop. But just to to show that this is a serious crisis and it's going to affect all of us and all of us, all of us have got to join together and make those tough decisions necessary to make our country, uh, to keep our country healthy, but certainly to allow us to exude that American exceptionalism that we've been able to exude for so long. Bob Corker is a U.S. Senator from Tennessee. You can listen to the full conference on fiscal policy at Cato.org.